The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. The boys are back together, Alex Jewell. Last week, we missed you. You were on the road, but we held things in check. Happy to have you back. And more importantly, tanner than ever after your stay at the Derby. That's right. I mean, I had a couple of good weeks away. I appreciate you holding down the fort while I was gone. It really was only weekends away. I was back in the middle of the week. But of course, we record this typically before the Monday release or some parts of it on the Monday, the day of the release. So I was gone in Florida last week when you held down the episode of attending a wedding. I was actually part of the wedding, which was really great. And then this past week, you're right, I was in Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby. I got to see Rich Strike in person make the most uh, maybe unbelievable comeback in Derby history. So a great time for me. I appreciate you and everybody else getting the job done while I was away, but happy to be back on this episode on this Monday. Much like the stretch run that was magnificent over the weekend, we are in the stretch run right now. It is EMU baseball streaking to the finish line as they will be back in action this weekend for their final home series of the year. The rival Chippewas from up north will uh, ride south they're skidding a little bit. They dropped their series finale at Western against Western Michigan the other day. They lost the series to Ball State the week before. Eastern comes back and wins the final two at NIU. Maybe it's that time. Well, we've talked about it all spring, Greg. Four teams will get to play in the Mid-American Conference Tournament at the end of the year. The top four, Central and Ball State, those two are already in. The next three are kind of up for grabs. Toledo used a 10 or 11 game winning streak to really get themselves up into that third position. Right now, Eastern Michigan sits at the fifth spot, a couple of games back from Ohio. Eastern Michigan already played Ohio, so they won't get to see them again. But a chance for Eastern Michigan to take a couple of critical games against Central and then close out the series the year with a series against Kent State. Eastern Michigan has a chance. They're in the fight. They can still get up into that top four positioning. But... They're going to need some a little bit of help, and they need to play well against Central Michigan. They have to, I think, they can't just take one game against the Chippewas. They're going to have to split, maybe take three, hopefully sweep the series against Jordan Bischel's club. That's a chance that I know Eastern Michigan's looking forward to. They feel like they can get Central. We've talked all year long to the pitching coach, Aaron Hill, to, to Eric Roof, to Jonathan Roof, and a lot of the times, if you've listened to our broadcast of the game, all three of those coaches will tell you, this year's been a year of getting firsts, winning more than one series beating teams, beating Ohio, beating uh, Kent State at the end of the year. Well, Eastern Michigan has to beat Central Michigan for the first time in a long time to get there, and that's the goal this weekend. They have not beaten the Chippewas since 2018, so a chance this weekend. If you can't make it out and take in the Senior Day festivities, we will have all series long broadcasted on All Access. Uh, Friday's game, a 4 o'clock start, and then a 1 for the doubleheader on Saturday, and then the Sunday senior finale at 1 as well. You can find that, as always, on emueagles.com slash watch or your Eastern Michigan Athletics mobile app where you can watch both as Alex and I have the call. Then it's some chances to bring home a trophy as the men's track and field program. They will go for the outdoor trophy and to round out the triple crown will the women have their shot in kalamazoo 
Good opportunity for both programs. We talked so much about the success that Sue Parks and her teams have had. You mentioned it, a really special opportunity for Eastern Michigan to go back to back to back in men's cross country, indoor track and field, and then complete the Triple Crown in outdoor track and field. Women's track and field has been really solid all year long. They were so close in the indoor portion of the season, now trying to get over the hump to earn that gold for the outdoor championship. So a good opportunity to follow them along. I know we'll be posting updates and videos throughout the week, so continue to follow us for that, and hopefully track will be able to get it done this weekend. Yeah, we certainly hope so. And then it's uh, everything looking towards New Jersey as the women's rowing program will be at the Colonial Athletic Association Championships on the Cooper River. You heard from Kemp Savage last week, his team poised to try to make some waves, so to speak, in that uh, that regatta. Still looking for their first CAA championship. Another good opportunity for this team this week to go out. You mentioned it. Kemp was on last week. And one of the things he talked a lot about, if you missed that episode, shameless plug, you can always go back and listen anywhere you get your podcast. But one of the things he talked about is the senior class that he has this year, how well they've done to help develop a standard and an expectation for winning. Now they get to put that on the line when it matters most, and we'll see how they respond. This week on the episode, we go to the newest sport that's not actually competing yet, but will be. They will be very soon as we're joined along with the interim head coach in Allison Lane for a really riveting two-part interview that one, we find out about her, but then it's you and I learning about the sport that, uh, quite honestly, I don't have a whole lot of knowledge of. Well, lacrosse is something that, you, as you mentioned, is new to us. We have not played a game yet. You and I don't have much background in it. I'm assuming a lot of you listening in right now may not have a background in it as well. It's an emerging sport in this part of the country, but certainly not has not been as prevalent to this date as it is now. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to sit down with Allison Lane, really to teach you more about her, to let her introduce herself to you, but also to learn a little bit about the game. So you mentioned it, Greg, it's a two-part interview. The first part will be more about her background, more about her day-to-day as how she's been building this program. Because one thing none of us have experience in is this program is being built from scratch. We're talking new surfaces, new players, new gear. We've had none of it. So how has that all come about? And then we'll talk a little bit about the basic rules of lacrosse so you can get excited about it. This is not going to teach you everything in one interview, but it is a good start, and it's a good start to more of the series that we'll start to do with the lacrosse team as they get back on campus and get ready for playing, which is just around the corner. I know it's a long way away, but February is going to come quick. It's going to come quick. We certainly have that. We also, uh, usually Alex and I keep this lighthearted, but we need to turn it to a serious note for just a moment as two uh, tremendous people we lost over the weekend for EMU Athletics. Uh, First, it was E-Club Athletic Hall of Fame uh, Claudia Wasik, the former tennis coach. She was also a volleyball coach. Uh, she was the life partner of Lucy Parker, who was such a, a great influence for EMU athletics. We lost her last week, and we certainly uh, send our hearts and condolences to everyone that knew Lucy. There are so many, uh, knew Claudia and, and all their families. Uh, it really a, a hard time for, for their family, but then a more devastating loss to us personally as EMU football and EMU athletics lost uh, coach Fred Reed over the weekend, uh, a, a just man that was extraordinary in his ability to connect with you on a personal level, but also a coaching level. He was a seven-year member of our athletic department and somebody that Alex and I knew very well. Yeah, there's... Um... There's no words really to describe uh, Fred Reed and uh, what he meant to this department, what he meant to 
um, the football program, what he meant to both of us personally, I know. Um, so words will, will have to come as we continue to accept the loss and grieve the loss and continue to look back upon Fred's life and what he meant. He leaves behind uh, a wonderful wife, LaShannon, two children, one of which is set to join the football team this fall, um, who are getting ready to celebrate their proms and and graduations and those types of things. Um, So just our hearts hurt for their family, for the entire football family. Um, The work he's done here is second to the type of person that he is. Fred Reed is somebody that, in my experience, uh, may be better than anyone I've ever met. And we have amazing staff and coaches here. But Fred Reed tops the list in terms of always seeing how we were doing as people, taking a serious interest in our lives more than just football, more than just our jobs. Fred Reed is uh, was a magnificent, magnificent human being, and uh, we will miss him dearly. Um, and we just feel for everybody that is affected, everybody that knows him. It was, it's been sad and heartbreaking, but also heartwarming to see the outpouring on social media or whatever it may be. I mean, you're talking NFL players, players from every stop he's been at, coaches from around the country, different organizations that have felt his impact. We will never forget his impact. Horrible, horrible situation. And we just, uh, everybody that's affected, we feel for, and we're, we're thinking about Fred's family. Yeah, we certainly are. It was a emotional roller coaster yesterday when I received the call and, uh, had to, of course, do our duties as the media relations side of communicating it. But also you, you think back to the, the moments that stand out. The last lengthy conversation that he and you and I had were was signing day back in February. And talk about the proudest dad in the world that morning when he got to, to sit in there and, and see Amari uh, get his letter of intent that morning and just soaked it in. He was loving life. He, he really was so proud of his family and so proud of what Eastern Michigan had accomplished. This has been a man that had a lot of jobs, but he had found a, a home and a place that he really cared about at EMU. So uh, again, uh, hug your loved ones uh, as much as you can and, and don't ever look past an opportunity to tell somebody how much they mean to you. So for that, we dedicate this show and always our memories to Fred Reed for what a tremendous person he was and the impact that he's had and will continue to have on us moving forward. That's right. This one's for Fred. We we love Fred. We love his family. And uh, our thoughts are with everybody that's affected. So let's take a quick time out. We'll come back. We do have a show to get to. Allison Lane, the interim head coach. And in honor of Fred, he is somebody that would want us to continue on, to continue pushing Eastern Michigan and continue to move forward. So we will do that on the other side of this break. Of course, we should mention that if anybody uh, in the Eastern Michigan side of things, staff or student athletes that are listening, if they need counseling during this, that's available. If you're out there and you're not part of Eastern Michigan and you need somebody to talk to, find that person, find that professional help. It's always okay not to be okay, especially after a loss like this. We'll take a quick time out and resume normal programming right after this on the Eastern Insider Podcast. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be.
Another Monday, another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast. And Greg, we've talked a little bit about it on this show, but maybe no time better than now to start talking about the newest sport that'll be playing next year at Eastern Michigan, lacrosse. Yeah, by this time next year, it'll be wrapped up season number one. It will have wrapped up season number one because this past weekend, if anybody was paying attention and they're a fan of the conference, the MAC championships for this past weekend, one thing we don't like is that Central Michigan Mm. took home the crown this year. But one thing we do like is that we're joined by a great guest today. Allison Land is the interim head coach of the Eastern Michigan lacrosse program. She joins us today. Allison, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to talk a little bit of lacrosse. I am too. Let's get into it. <laughs> We're getting right into it, and it's a, it's a sport that's new to Eastern Michigan. It's new to a lot of us. It's new to a lot of our listeners that are talking today. I want to do this. We're going to do this interview in two parts so our listeners know. We're going to start with more of your background, a little bit of how the team's been made up, what Eastern Michigan has been doing, because it's so rare that a program is just starting from scratch. Nobody really has that experience. Then we'll talk a little bit more about the game itself. So before we get started with everything, why don't we first talk a little bit about you? Tell us who you are, where you come from, how you got involved with the game and how you've ended up here at Eastern Michigan. Okay. Um, so I'm originally from New Jersey, um, started playing when I was in fourth grade. Um, so pretty young, but that's when it was really new too. um, new in general, but new there. Um, and then I played at Marquette university, graduated in 2018. And that was a fairly new program when I was there. I think my freshman year must've been in year four of existence. Um, and then from there, I started coaching at central Michigan university. So the team that you were just talking about, I was there for three years. I got my master's from there, then did a volunteer year during the COVID year and everything like that. So there for three years and now I'm here at Eastern, super excited to get everything started. I used to play midfield, so I got some knowledge on both sides of the ball, but I do love coaching the offense and scoring goals is the most fun part for me. Um, and yeah. Okay. So you're from New Jersey originally. What yes. part of New Jersey are you from? Um, Northwest, okay, Hunterdon so County. From New Jersey, obviously you went to school out of state. Now yes. you've been in Michigan and a couple of different rules. Yes. When you pull up to a gas station, do you still find... <laughs> find yourself like waiting for somebody to come over or have you gotten used to getting out and doing it yourself? <laughs> I still every now and again, especially when it's cold. I'm like, I wish someone was here to pump my gas for me, but I learned actually it's a funny story. My college roommates taught me how to pump gas. My, I think I had a car sophomore year and they were like, what are you doing? And I was sitting there and I was like, well, someone's going to come and pump my gas. Right. And they were like, no, what are you doing? And I had to get out and do it for the first time <laughs> when I was in college. <laughs> I can't say I've ever had somebody pump my gas for me, but we all, anybody who's ever <laughs> known somebody from New Jersey, they either talk about going to the shore mm-hmm. or Jersey tomatoes. Oh, I'm not a yeah. fan of tomatoes oh. or I've never been to the Jersey shore. <laughs> What's so great about either one? Um, New Jersey is beautiful in general, um, but I do love going down the shore. So you have to say down the shore actually uh, when you're from New Jersey. So <laughs> like Jersey Mike's, I mean, that's the closest thing. Jersey Mike's subs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we actually have more local sub shops that we'd go to. So I never even had Jersey Mike's until I was like out of New Jersey. Actually. Oh, you're breaking Greg's heart. Now he's going to, he he thought it was the most authentic you could get. (laughs) No pizza is what we need to talk about. Pizza and bagels. I'm very ventured into the Detroit style pizza yet. Is that like Jets pizza? pizza. I've had it once before. I like it. I like it. it? It's just different. So you're more of a a true and through New York style. Yeah. I'm very biased. No New Jersey style. Even that's different. There's a New Jersey style pizza. What's that? It's just better. (laughs) Just because of it was made in with love in New Jersey. Fell off a truck truck. See the things you learn. We say that we always provide the most inside source of information on the Eastern Insider. I will tell you, you're a natural on this show because one thing Greg and I always find a way to talk about is food. Mm-hmm. So we'll never shy away from a food conversation. Okay. But we do, we are here to talk yeah. a little bit of lacrosse too. <laughs> we, we, and so we're doing, we're 
so we're doing that. And so in that spirit, I know you mentioned getting into it at a young age and, yeah. and it was really starting to emerge. I think for those that know a little bit a lot about lacrosse, but maybe not a ton, it's we know and I kind of knew growing up, it is more prevalent on the on the coasts. It's yes. starting to get more prevalent in the Midwest area. Mm-hmm. Um, how does somebody how, how do you get into lacrosse? I mean, was there a sport that kind of led into it or is it just something to try that's new? What, what's your story with getting involved with lacrosse? Um, my story, I saw a professional lacrosse game um, around that time where I started in Massachusetts, I think. So I have family in Massachusetts and um, we saw a professional game. So back then it was the major league lacrosse. So the MLL and now it's the PLL is the men's side. Um, saw a professional game and it was so fast paced and I played every sport growing up. Um, and I was like, well, I'm pretty fast, so maybe I should try it out. And there was a local team. And so my mom signed me up for it and I just kind of fell in love. So for me, I'm taller. And so you don't really see that a whole lot in lacrosse. So it used use that to my advantage. Um, but I played basketball and volleyball growing up and then lacrosse since it was pretty new, had it in high school and everything, but it was just so new and it was new to me. And that's what I really liked about it. Um, and yeah, I just kind of took off with it. You were a very decorated player at Marquette oh, and, and, and <laughs> able to do a lot of things. How do you take some of those things from an early learning experience at Marquette and then mm-hmm. moving on to a brand new program at Central Michigan and now here at Eastern, how do you take some of those assets? aspects that you've learned from growing up and and being part of of programs that were just learning their own way. Yeah. Um, I think now that I've been coaching a little bit, I think I just lean towards some of those lessons that I've learned while I was coaching, but I will say, I definitely ask a lot of questions still. So Sarah, who's at central Michigan, she's now a friend, but I can call her about anything. And, and Meredith, who's still at Marquette, I call her about stuff. Um, just even texting and, and everything under the sun, I can ask them anything. And I, and I know that they'll call me back if they're busy and that kind of stuff, but, um, definitely take, take lessons from them right now and questions that pop up. But I think some of the lessons while I was at Marquette, I was a captain for two years. And so I really had that leadership role and just being close with my coaches definitely helped. Um, but yeah. Walk us through the day that you got the call from Alicia and <laughs> heard that she's leaving. Granted, great opportunity oh, yeah. for her and mm-hmm. her family. Uh, hard for this program, yeah. but as the first year assistant getting thrown into the interim head coaching role, what's yeah. going through your head when that happens? Um, it was definitely a surprise. Um, I'm, I'm so happy for her family and, um, you know, getting Ashley getting that job is amazing. Wish them nothing but the best. It was just, it was very shocking. And of course, it was, it was sad because I was very close with Alicia. I had met her before I had this job. Um, so that aspect of it was sad and I was sad. I wasn't going to be able to work with her and, and learn from her. That was the main thing about taking this job as exciting as it is to start a program. I knew I was going to learn a lot from her and I still do. She always takes my calls too, which is (laughs) very helpful. Um, it was really just shocking. And then it was just kind of rolling with it and, um, coming back really the second semester. I mean, I started as interim in January around that that time. So it was bringing our student athletes back and still just, we were learning a lot of the basics this year. And those were what our practices were. Um, it was a lot of stick skills, a lot of stuff to do with only six student athletes trying to play lacrosse is a little challenging at times. Um, but they got the work done. They were always so responsive to every, everything that we were teaching them and they absolutely crushed it on the field, in the classroom and everything. So Greg mentioned that you are in the interim head coaching role and the surprises you had kind of getting into that role. But it's also a really unique challenge because as we've mentioned,
mentioned before already in this interview, it's not that you're just taking over a well-oiled program that's played seasons and it's just taking over that part of it. This program is still in its infancy being built. So as the interim head coach, as somebody who's been a part of the process, what is it like separating resources? And I guess the real question I'm asking is, how do you spend your days? How much of it is still trying to get recruits here? How much of it is teaching the, the players that are here? How much of it is working on scheduling and all of that type of stuff? What is your day-to-day like right now? Because I'm assuming it's crazy. Um, a little crazy, but fun. Definitely fun. Um, I think any coach would tell you that we wish we could be like teaching our sport for majority of the day, but it really just is practice. So right now, I mean, our student athletes are all gone for the summer, which is a huge bummer. And so it is a lot of emails, um, recruiting, recruiting kind of starts in the summer for us. So June, you probably won't see me a whole lot cause it's almost every weekend, um, within June, but it is a lot of recruiting. Um, but we do have not necessarily for next year, but it's kind of future. So you have to recruit for, um, almost like two years away right now. So because we have such a large class coming in, um, but it's been fun. Recruiting is fun. It's definitely a fun part of my job. So as a follow up to that, yeah. when we talk about student athletes that are that are back home for the summer that have been here, mm-hmm. how many student athletes are here already? How many have to come in still? Yeah. What's the idea? What is the ideal lacrosse roster look like at this level? Yeah, um, 35 is kind of that sweet spot number. It's enough that you can scrimmage and then you have the inevitable injuries that pop up. I wish that that wasn't the case, but you know, just the the ankles that get rolled, that kind of stuff. So you have to kind of factor those in with wanting to scrimmage and, and, um, keeping competitive that way. So that's the ideal numbers 35. We have six student athletes that'll be returning. And then we have 27 incoming freshmen. So you've signed like maybe the biggest class <laughs> in the country's history. I think. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but it's been fun getting to know them. So I got to, you know, meet them as the assistant and we had a big weekend, um, homecoming weekend. So at Eastern, they try to make that homecoming weekend a big, alumni event and we kind of flip that because we don't have any alumni so we had all of their um, families come with them and we had a big tailgate for the football game lots of food and it was just a really fun day to get to know them as two guys that have believe green and white and we're both graduates from here as a person coming from the outside in mm-hmm. what's eastern been like to you i mean what's the learning curve and yeah. what's your kind of favorite place to to be when you're on campus oh, that's a great question i love eastern i love how welcoming everybody has been um, because I've been here less than a year, but I feel like I can walk down the hallway and say hi to two or three people now. Well, it's nice to be able to walk down the hallway and not be in a box seeing people from on Zoom. Yes, that's so true. Now without the masks, I can go back to reading lips like I normally do and everything like that. But no, that is the best part. And the the people are definitely the best part. Um, I know that sounds super cheesy, but (laughs) I feel like I've already made quite a few friends here and everything, which is very helpful and coaches um, that coach a different sport. It's really cool to be able to sit down what do you do? I do this. Um, how do we need to do things differently or how do we make things better? That kind of stuff. Spending time with Allison Lane, the interim head coach for the Eastern Michigan lacrosse program on today's Eastern Insider podcast. Coach, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit. You've alluded to it. But one thing we, we don't shy away from on this show is talking about some of the harder subjects. And we did talk about the transition. Alicia being gone, you're now into that interim head coaching role. And this program is just getting started. You talk about recruiting and getting out on the trail. How in the world do you tell an 18 year old that this is where they want to come not having any established games right now not having a, a in 
person, a head coach that's in the full-time role. Mm-hmm. What is it that you have to sell and what, why should kids come here to be a part of that growing process? That's a great question. Um, but I think that really, I mean, that whole situation that you just described really gives a lot of credit to Eastern as a university and the academic side of it and athletics in general. I don't really have to sell myself. And like you're saying, I can't really sell, you know, what we've done or anything like that yet. Um, but I can brag about the recruits that we are do have coming in. They're awesome. So let me just say that first of all. But I think that's um, a big plus to our administration, even media. They see, you know, what we post and that kind of stuff. And, you know, social media is everything right now, especially to an 18 year old, like you're saying. Um, but it truly is. And I think they see the support that we have from Scott and Stacy and everyone, you know, top to bottom. And they can see just how much effort is going into starting this program and starting this program the right way is what we always say. Um, that's with the new field coming in huge plus, which is hopefully going to be done soon. Um, you know, the renderings for the locker room that's being put in, even showing them the locker room that we did have this year that so many people put so much effort into, like, I think it could have been so easy to be like, well, it's just a temporary space or anything like that. But no, they went in putting graphics that were specifically for us. Um, and I think those are the things that sell them on Eastern in general, not just. And Greg and I never shy away from saying that we are not Division One caliber athletes. That's why we do this <laughs> no. job and ask about Division One caliber <laughs> athletes. But you've been a part of programs that have been in their youth stages too. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a competitor, there's got to be some fire too about the opportunity to be one of the players that helps establish those yes. first, right? First definitely. year, first win, first MAC championship. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be something to it as well, right? Yes, definitely. And we talked to um, our incoming um, student athletes just about how, you know, tune in to the MAC tournament, the first one ever. It was awesome. Literally history was made because this first ever tournament just happened. So that's definitely a big selling point too. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room, and that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. We've heard all about what it takes to build a program. Now let's hear more about the actual sport. As we're joined alongside EMU Interim Head Coach for Lacrosse and Allison Lane. Okay, I had to Google it this morning. You type in lacrosse for beginners because (laughs) I didn't know, honestly, how many players. I knew there was a difference between men's and women's. Men's have 10, women's have 12. But Mm -hmm. walk us through the basics just of of a game setup that you guys will have. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned the amount of people on the field. Our field looks different than than men's as well. And I compare it to men's because I think that's been on TV a little bit longer, which we're starting to change that, which will be great. Um, I think a lot of the postseason that's about to be starting is going to be on ESPNU, which will be awesome. And it's awesome for our sport. Um, Yeah. So the field's a little bit different. We have restraining lines. We have an eight meter. We have (laughs) so many, so many things. So I don't really know where to start, but, um, 
game starts with a draw, center of the field. Okay, that's a good lesson. Um, yeah, that's a, it's a draw. Yeah. It's not a jump ball. No. It's not a kickoff. It's a draw. So yeah. we know that. We're, we're not starting jousting with that. each other. We're not, yeah. Yeah, so we're starting. <laughs> the very start, we'll, we'll know it's a draw. So that's one checkbox for us and our listeners. 60-minute clock or what are we looking at? Um, it's four quarters, okay. Okay. which is another new change. So if we were having this conversation even just last year, we went from halves to quarters now. 15-minute um, quarters. Okay. This is like a test for me too, because I haven't been coaching this whole year. So now I'm like, let me let me remember what all these new rules are and that kind of stuff. But um, all of our rule changes in the past couple of years have been to speed up the play of the game. So even five years, I think people would have said it looked like freeze tag. That's usually what people say. That's like the ongoing joke. But we've changed that rule. It's a very fast-paced game. So it starts with the draw. Um Positions, we could go over that. Four attackers, those are the ones that score all the goals. Um, three middies, who are just like the workhorses. They go back and forth, they play both sides of the ball. And then four defenders and a goalie. So I talked about restraining lines a little bit. So those defenders will stay and they only play defense. So they stay on one side of the field. Attackers stay on the other side of the field. Um, let's see. Are there else? lines like hockey that we have to worry about? You can't do two line passes or icing or anything like that? Those restraining lines. Okay. So you have to keep four players back. So okay. it doesn't have to necessarily be the people that start on defense have nope. to stay back there, but you have to keep behind those lines and then vice versa for attackers. Okay. How does the, because one thing everybody that maybe not is super versatile across still probably knows well across is they've seen the gear that's, that's used, that's mm-hmm. worn the sticks for me, the net is always something that's interesting. It's got kind of the triangle yeah. shape. How in the world are you supposed to get a ball into that small of a, a, a area? But then again, we see some lacrosse scores and teams are scoring 20 goals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what you kind of teach in the fall of, of tendencies and where you want to shoot, depending, hopefully you're wide open in front of the net, but, um, and even for <laughs> lacrosse beginners, since we're doing a lacrosse for beginners show, tell us a little bit about the ball itself, because people have never picked up a lacrosse ball. Yeah. It looks kind of like an, an innocent white little tennis ball, mm-hmm. oh, but it, that thing is solid rubber. It's yeah. going to hurt when it hits you. Oh yeah. So we play with uh, yellow balls, but they are, they're very, they're dense. They hurt. I mean, I would never be a goalie. I mean, <laughs> all the respect to those people, but that's why I just never could. But yeah, it'll, it'll leave a mark. It'll leave a bruise if you get hit with it. I've also heard there's a difference in how your nets are strung between between mm-hmm. the guys game and the women's game yes right in the men's game it can be more of a pocket yes and so ours we have a rule um the ball can't go lower than the plastic so if you hold the stick sideways and you put the ball in the net like we're talking about um the top of the ball can't go lower than the plastic so i wish i had like a diagram i could yeah. show but not that it's a podcast video so. coming next. <laughs> video <laughs> a video episode of the podcast yeah. coming because we're yeah. going to need all these diagrams Perfect. but you mentioned you mentioned uh the stick specifically i've talked about that you talk about the different positions players. Mm -hmm. One thing that I know we've read about a little bit and we know is part of the game is the fouling, that type of stuff. In lacrosse, you watch and there's so much contact yeah. there's so much back and forth how is it determined of what's legal what's illegal how much contact can you have can you hit somebody with your stick i mean again i'm just, i don't mean to sound angry we just don't know the rules no yeah i'm i'm giggling because that is something that we talk about a lot with um fouling and everything but we do have free movement so if there is a whistle if it's not a major foul you can continue play which definitely speeds up the process of the game and those rule changes like i was talking about but anything you can it is a contact sport again i talk about bruises with the ball, you're going to wind up with bruises down your arm um, from playing. Um, Tough girls play lacrosse. Just putting that out there. Um, (laughs) Yes. Um, But yeah, anything higher, if you get hit um, like shoulder or higher, it's usually going to be a yellow card, which is another rule. So that may 
be a whole nother episode just talking about rules and fouls and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, anything shoulder or higher will automatically be a foul and always be a foul. And that's just for player safety because um, we don't wear helmets. Like you're saying, we just wear goggles that cover your nose and your eyes. So yeah. When you look at the game, I know you have to have some kind of shot clock, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to just want the other team to hold the ball and play keep away. Yes. So 90 second shot clock from possession. And then as the shot clock gets reset when it hits the goalie or the goal. And so another rule change, it used to reset all the way to 90. So if you got down and there was five seconds and you hit the goalie, it would go back and you get a whole nother possession for 90. If the shot clock has run down past 60, hits the goalie, it only resets back to 60. So another way to speed up the play of the game and everything like that. But yeah, shot clock has been a great addition to our sport. It does maybe have those um, scores be a little bit higher, but it eliminates that kind of keep away kind of strategy that sometimes people had. Similar to the fast-paced nature of lacrosse, we are going fast-paced and all over the place with Allison Lane today, interim head coach of the EMU lacrosse team. And when you think about the sports that we're all familiar with, soccer, hockey, those types of things, I know you've probably gotten this question a million times and you'll probably get a million times again. What sport (laughs) is lacrosse closest to? If you're just learning lacrosse, Is there something you can kind of put your eyes on and say, okay, I'm going to see elements from that. I can start to kind of understand how this is going to work. It's actually a lot of different sports. So um, I think you compare it easily to a soccer just because there's that is that fast paced endurance kind of a sport. But it is similar to hockey a little bit. And but I see it a lot, especially because I'm offensive minded. Um, I like my players to watch basketball a lot and play basketball. Um, Basketball players are really good defenders in general, but speaking offensively, we run, you see it a lot like a two-man game in basketball. That's a big strategy, especially right now in our sport, two-man games, three-man games, um, because it's seven on seven. I guess I didn't say that either (laughs) in the zone. So on offense and defense, it's seven v seven. But sometimes you like to isolate players and really play that two-man game. So it's a mix of a lot of different sports, but um, I love hearing recruits say that they play basketball. <laughs> That's awesome um, because you do see, do see those elements from other sports. Getting to score a goal, did you have a celebration or uh, or how is it simply just you move and you're ready to the next one? You're doing like football and you're every kind of celebration dance you can do work out. I haven't seen too many dances, but um, another rule uh, when someone scores a goal, there has to be a stick check. So like we were saying, talking about the pocket a little bit. So you actually have to put your stick down the ground for the ref to grab it and check it with the ball. So you see a lot of like sticks being thrown or you do like the classic, just like placing it down as a little, I don't know, but you don't see too too many dances or anything like that. that. No, it's gotta be a quick like throw, but I know I used to like throw my stick and stuff. So, okay. So if you're watching football and Mm -hmm. a team scores 42 points, you probably say high powered offense, really good. If you're watching baseball and someone only scores one run, you say really good defense, great pitching. Mm -hmm. In lacrosse, what is that? Is there kind of that sweet spot score? Like as a coach, as mm-hmm. a player, what if you're walking off the field, are you saying it's like, that's terrible defense or we did a great job offensively? What's kind of the ideal score in lacrosse? Is it two or three goals? Is it 15, 16? Where's that area? Two or three goals is a close, close game um, because it is so fast paced. You can score a goal in 10 seconds um, if you have someone that's really fast. But in lacrosse, if a team is up by 10 goals, it starts a running clock. So our clock stops after goals, um, major fouls, those kinds of things. But team goes up by 10 goals. It's a running clock, which means it doesn't stop in between setting up the draw from a goal or anything like that. 
So, so you want to be up by 10? You want to be up by 10, definitely okay. not down by 10. Final <laughs> well, few moments here as we get our lacrosse basics. There'll be a quiz later, Alex Drew, I'm sure. But the Mid-American Conference, mm -hmm. so we'll know the rivalries. Central certainly has it, uh, but you've got some local teams. Detroit Mercy as mm -hmm. well, not a traditional MAC member, but mm -hmm. who else can we start to, to plan up and think about this team really playing, scheduling, and, and competing against? Yeah, so you mentioned Central and Detroit are both Michigan teams right in here. Um, we also play Kent, Akron, Youngstown State, and Robert Morris are all the teams in the MAC. Hopefully more are going to join soon um, just for the growth of the game and growth of our conference. But yeah, yeah, um, Robert Morris won first MAC. There was no mm -hmm. tournament, but the regular season champs went and they played. I believe it was Notre Dame two years ago, and now Central won, and they're going to be playing Northwestern. The selection show was last night, so you can actually download your brackets and do a little um, kind don't of bet like, on it. don't bet on it. Yeah, definitely. But um, it's just fun, fun to follow along. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.